Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. It is myself, Nile Nine, and Andrea Cleary here. How are you doing, Andrea? I'm good, Nile. How are you? I'm grand, thanks. How are you? Hey, 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 listener. How are you doing? Hope you're well. This is the Nile Nine podcast. Every week we talk about some music topics, topics that are dear to our heart, to- topics that are happening in the news. On this episode, we are going to be talking about actually an album we did a real life event with last week, uh, which is one of our listening, listen closely parties in the big romance every month, every the last Wednesday of every month. Because we were away or off for January, we didn't do uh, an episode about this album. So we thought it'd be nice to kind of just do a little recap almost or like a focus as we did on the night on the album from MF Doom and Mad Lib, a.k.a. Mad Villain. Let's have a little listen. Faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I see E. Cole, nice to be old. Y2G Steve, twice to threefold. He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever, like the greatest story told. Keep your glory gold and glitter. For half, half of his niggas will take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to. Feeling a mixture between both with a twist of liquor. Chasing with more beer. Tasting like truth for dear. When he at the mic, it's like the place get like, oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, Mad Villain. Why? Because, well, it celebrates 20 years uh, this March and uh, it's also considered a underground rap classic. Well, an underground rap classic at the time. It's not an underground record really anymore. It's quite noted as a, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say it would be influential, but it's it's very it's a classic album. It's been considered a classic album and almost a really like codified into that kind of classic album vibe. I think we will talk a bit about Doom and Madlib and where they came from and why. We've obviously done uh, podcasts about Doom before in 2021. We did one just after he passed away where we talked to some people who worked with him from Lex Records and Choice Cuts here who put him on. And what came... When, I, when we were listening back to that, those podcasts recently, what came out of it for me was the the superhero, supervillain kind of dastardly plans, the kind of the rapper who who would would play with misdirection and form and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we had a fun time last week, didn't we, Andrea? It was a really fun time. It was really great to listen to it sitting all the way through with yourself getting up to change sides. And <laughs> yeah, it sounded you can like do I that too. Sorry, you can do that too. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I, yeah. I'll tell the listeners. I get too scared because it's an entire room waiting for. I'm just, you know, I change my records all the time at home. But when it's a really nice system like what they have in the big romance, it's it's relatively scary. But I did, I did do some DJing. <laughs> I'm calling it DJing. <laughs> Call it what you like. <laughs> yeah, no, it was lovely. Like, obviously, we say this about this is our th- this is our third event, and we've said this about all of them. But it just sounded incredible on the system that they have in in the big romance, and with a really lovely group of people coming in. And yeah, it was it was a nice mix of people reacting to the album differently. Some people were reading along the lyrics on their phones. Some people were just kind of had their head back, their eyes closed, just listening. Some people were up on their feet, kind of like dancing and vibing. So some people were like sitting down on the floor, just vibing it out. So it was really, really nice, like mix of reactions to this album. And I think it's a kind of a testament to how many different ways there are to listen to this album. Like you can have it on and kind of just pay attention to it as a piece, as a as an instrumental piece and have Doom's vocals there, but not really, you know, dive into them because he's just so pleasant to listen to. Like the tone of his voice is just so pleasant to listen to. You don't necessarily have to pay attention to everything that he's saying, or you can go the other route of really paying attention to everything that he's saying, really like digging down into the lyrics, or you can just vibe it. So, you know, like there is, there's so many different ways to enjoy this album but I do think it's an album that should I mean I'm hesitant to say should but it's often by people who are fans of it enjoyed as a piece I think it's not very common for people to kind of listen to because the songs are so short to kind of you know playlist them or anything like that so but yeah it was a it was a great night that's true. Mad Villainy, the album, was released in t- 2004 on Stone's Throw Records. It's 46 minutes long, but there's 22 tracks on it. I think there's two songs that go over three minutes. Three songs go over three, three minutes. And most of them hover around the two minute mark. I mean, Doom was always like that anyway. He would always keep his songs fairly short. And I mean, he, he wasn't a rapper who... <laughs> fell for hooks much he didn't need to he was his his thing was about dense rhyming schemes and keeping that going and it was kind of like it was almost like the page was written and once the page was done 
this next song was on and we're doing the next song. So there is an element to that for, for me of, of doom. And you're right, actually, like it's so hard, almost like it was such a nice experience to listen to that album in full and give it your full attention because I mean that is so rare these days because your your attention does wander and even you're listening to his words and it, it's so dense and there's so much going on that you kind of it is really hard to keep your concentration on it for the whole album and uh, mm. and I think that's really interesting as well like I mean the reason one of the reasons why for me this album is a classic why many people consider it as a classic this is two masters of their craft who find a place to meet that perfectly matches like their unique music sensibilities. We've got Madlib, the producer, before he really made his full name, like he was working with Stone Throw, he was working with loads of labels around this time. He had made Quasimoto, which is kind of his rap album, but... I mean, that is where his vocals are pitched up and he sounds like a little cartoon character, which they, Jeff Jank from Stone's Row, went and basically animated and illustrated and they became this character that he did. But most of the other stuff he was doing at the time was kind of like this jazzy hip-hop instrumental stuff. He created this band, a fake band called Yesterday's New Quintet, who are mentioned in Bistro on the album and who are kind of you know, he was his way of he, at this at this time around two thousand and four. He'd released a few records, but he was really kind of getting into that jazz zone. He's the son of a jazz musician as well. He yeah, I mean, Sun Ra. You'll see from looking at sample lists and stuff like that. That kind of those kind of influence there. That kind of psychedelic cosmic jazz stuff is kind of the backdrop for a lot of this stuff. And in this album as well, it's it's sampled a couple of times. And as for Doom, then I mean. The funny thing that I learned from reading that recent 33 and a third book about Mad Villain by Will Nagel is that uh, Doom hadn't heard Mad Lib's music until they started working on Mad Villain. And like Doom at that point, I mean, he's kind of establishing himself as a solo artist. His backdrop, we've covered this before, but his backdrop very briefly is Daniel Dumoulin. He was first known as Zed Love X. He started his musical career with his brother Subrock as KMD. And after one acclaimed album, uh, 1991's album, uh, Mr. Hood, his brother tragically died. He was knocked down on a freeway uh, near Long Island, I believe. So then a follow-up album that was made was never re-released. He It was Electro Records he was dealing with. Doom kind of slunk off into the background and, and started doing his own thing in quiet, which eventually he started releasing. But a lot of it became, you know, it was born out of that tragedy of his brother dying and him going, no, I don't want to do this anymore. He, he started wearing this mask and developing this superhero alter ego inspired by the Superman enemy. He re-emerged around the turn of the century as the metal-faced Doom character. So he wore the scars of his kind of a first act in a run of comic book villain-inspired self-produced albums. We're talking, we had Operation Doomsday came out in 1999. And then we had records like the same year as Mad Villain, actually M Food, all about like food-themed rap. And then there was other alter egos like King Jidera, which with the album Take Me To Your Leader, which was like this kind of... Godzilla type creature involved in cosmic international I don't know like yeah it was like an international cosmic or uh, annihilation event kind of thing this is a very much comic book inspired and and all that kind of stuff like old comic books Godzilla all that kind of thing and then we had Victor Vaughn a vaudeville villain I think I mean for me, one of that, one of my favorite Doom albums certainly is Vaudeville Villain, and that's kind of like he's like a younger 
maybe more dastardly MF Doom in a way. So he kind of uh, embodies these personas. And, you know, his whole thing is that he's got this grisly, dense rap style. It's complex. It's funny. It's eloquent. It plays with the form. It's inventive in the use of how of its word collages and expectation and defying those expectations. In, a, in an interview with uh, RBMA, Doom actually talks about bringing what it's like to bring or how he start working with Mad Villain and I'll just or how he start working with Madlib. I'll just start uh, I'll just share a bit about this so we can listen to him in his own words because it is rare there's very few times really where we get to hear directly from him so. yeah I got a call one day from um, it was from Peanut Butter Wolf up there at Stone Store Wolf is a good friend of mine Big Up Wolf and um he mentioned his cat Madly, but I wasn't familiar with his work at the time. But I guess he heard some of my stuff and he was reaching out to me so that we could do a record together, like, you know, and want to give me some beats and whatnot. So at the time, it was the same same time when I was doing records for a lot of different companies and whatnot. So, you know, they offered to fly me out to LA, you know, so I'm saying they're like, good thing, flew out there, met these cats, cool, you know what I'm saying? Cats is cool from day one, you know what I'm saying? I got along with these dudes. You know, just good spirited, good hearted people and um real record diggers, like, you know what I'm saying, beat maker, you know, had the same kind we had the same kind of same kind of vision and how how we did records and the same you know, it's real similar. You know, still unique though. He had his unique style. So that's really how it started. He reached out ever since then that's been my man, you know what yeah. I mean? They were all living in a house together at the time, is that right? With the studio and a yeah, bomb shelter in the basement. Yeah, yeah, they had a little mini mansion up on the hill. It was a pretty big crib though. It was a lot of space in there, you know, overlooking the the, the hills. So it was a good good place to work at. You know what I'm saying? Real quiet up there. So yeah, that's kind of the the backdrop. Basically, they would meet in the bomb shelter. He talks a lot about how the two of them kind of had this telepathic connection where they didn't really talk about. I mean, you could almost cynically you could be like these lads weren't even trying and they knocked out a fucking amazing album. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a bit like, we never really talked, but we made, he'd send me beats and then I'd write something over him and that was our conversation and that's a nice story. But you're like, in another, in another parallel universe, this is a, a bad album that no one ever listens to because the two people who are the chief collaborators don't really talk to each other about it. Mm. <laughs> but here is what, uh, here is what Ed Madlib actually has to say about that recording just some from his perspective, because he doesn't speak an awful lot about this either. So let's have a listen to him. The process wasn't really a big deal. We just hung out, went to clubs, got drunk. I'll hand him a beat CD. I'll go to sleep. He'll work on some music. He'll go to sleep. I'll wake up. I'll make some more beats, listen to what he did. We might take some shrooms together if we awake at the same time. And... And then listen to the music when it's done. So yeah, that's as simple as that. I mean, that's that's kind of what the backdrop is. There is no great grand story behind this album other than it is these stupid dudes working together in LA in the bomb shelter where Madlib was uh, was based and making this album together. And uh, what's interesting is, you know, before the album comes out in 2004, they Madlib it goes over to Brazil as part of this kind of stone's throw project 
And it, there's an Irish connection to this as well because there's a Limerick photographer who you may know called B Plus who was living in LA at that time and still does, I think. And he was involved in this film called Brazil in Time, which is basically bringing a a cultural exchange almost between what's the LA kind of beat maker world and the people, uh, the musicians in Rio de Janeiro who are making this kind of interesting uh, original jazz music and composition stuff. And so they all, and Bossa Nova, Samba, so they kind of go over and the DJs and the drummers and all are collaborating and all this kind of stuff. So Mad Villain is there with his MPC sampler, which he uses all the time. But on the flight on the way over, he created a, he bought a CD basically of I think 15 tracks of the album and um, just so he could listen to it on the plane turns out he lost it and then promptly what happened was the album was found and this is the early days 2003 so this was it was uploaded to the internet in this time so very unusual for that to happen first of all to be found for it to be recognised as what it was he must have written something on it that it gave it some identity and then to be really taken and put on the internet and the label talk about it in the 33 and the third book and how they were really devastated this happened. Obviously, this has never happened to them before. They were like, oh God, because it's happened. But turns out it actually wasn't a bad thing because all this really did was hype up the album. People got really uh, hyped about it. You know, they heard it was a leak that it wasn't maybe totally finished. What essentially happened was they went and uh, re-recorded some of the stuff in the preceding months and then the hype just actually meant that this became a quite highly anticipated record and by the time it came out it became Stone's Throw's biggest seller by far and you know it was it was a big deal and the context for 2004 we talked about this in terms of rap music it was the same year as Kanye West's college dropout that was the year that it came out so this is very very different and like from your perspective Andrea what do you think about like why this we're actually getting to the release of the album where it comes out and people just go nuts for it so why do you think that people are think this is the modern classic that it is yeah i mean it's so hard to think about it at at the time right because i wasn't i wasn't aware of this album until probably you know 10 years later yeah it's it's hard to think about it at the time because i mean as as you said rap music was was moving into a kind of a towards becoming pop music right like we're, we're we're sort of getting ready for that stage it has things have a like a verse chorus verse structure Kanye West is releasing college dropout like we're very much moving rap music into the mainstream and I I guess like Doom and Madlib would have had their own followers their own people who were very dedicated to them like they weren't household names by any means but they had a very very dedicated following each of them and i think the the reaction to it or the the feeling around this album was was that it was so different and so dense you know we talk about the 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 amount of samples that are used on an album that's something that people are generally quite interested in as a concept anyway you know if you hand someone a song and they're like yeah this song sampled like 20 other tracks or it has 20 samples on it like that's already something that is piquing your interest and making you especially if you are a kind of a crate digger sort of person and I imagine the fans of Madlib in particular are interested in like where the samples come from so 
I mean, it it doesn't sound like anything else that's out. It sounds enough like both Doom and Madlib to appease their fans individually. But then it is also this this magical thing that when they come together, it's like they click. Like it's like they 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 get it. Like Madlib understands the superhero supervillain stuff just as much as doom does like they they are on the same level in terms of like how they want to approach that sort of like that childlike playfulness with one another that comes from you know taking shrooms together but also just kind of like being very creative with the kinds of uh samples that they're using being very creative with the lyricism so it do, it just doesn't like to me. Uh, my, my instinct is to say that it just doesn't sound like anything else that's out at this time, and if and it sounds underground. It sounds like forbidden knowledge. You know, it sounds like this is something much rawer and much more. Yeah, I think raw is the word. Much kind of messier. It's kind of like it's kind of like the White Album. You know, it's like it's this. It's this relatively short album, all of these short little snippets, but they're all so densely packed with interesting things that on your first listen, you don't you don't get at all. So it's it also invites a lot of like it has a replayability value that is higher than most albums, even within hip hop, which I think are very replayable because of like the lyricism. But this has a replayability value that is like, you know, will sustain people people's interest in this album for like 20 like where you said it was 20 years this year yeah people are still as interested in this album now as they were when it came out more so even so yeah i mean that would be my instinct in terms of like why why it hit the way it did and why people were interested in it but also there's there's a lot of mystique around mf doom and and I think there's a curiosity about what he's going to sound like with a new collaborator. Like he'd obviously worked with Danger Mouse and he's he does seem to be somebody that is I always speak about him in the present tense. <laughs> he was somebody who who worked really, really well in collaborative circumstances. And and he seemed to choose his collaborators very carefully. And going from the clip that you played there, like it seems like he is basing it off vibes. He's basing it off. Will this person get what I'm trying to do? Will this person fit in with the way that I like to work? You know, and I love I love that it, it's like I'll work, then I'll go to bed and he'll work while I'm in bed. And this sort of like these these ships in the night and you can kind of feel that on the album that there isn't too much conversation happening around like well what does this mean and what should we put here it is it's very instinctual it's very um it's almost kind of like like improvisation um like mm. two two musicians working together in a kind of an improv way where you you don't have the time or the energy to talk to one another and dig down too deep into things and make things deeper than they need to be. And then it's just this magic that happens when when the right two people get together in in, in the same room, you know? Yeah, and they're and they're good fits. But I mean like Madlib as well provides I mean Doom first of all is Doom produces his own beats usually. So he mm-hmm. has that ability. He creates all those kind of super villain um skits and and uh, uses those samples in his records. And there's some of them here as well which he is involved in, but mostly it's it's Madlib's take on that. And I love that you know on this record there, there's a playfulness to it all like there's tracks like uh, Bistro where he's kind of introducing people it's four tracks in it's kind of like the album intro but it's like welcome to what is it Mad Villa 
ah, I can never remember the bit. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to remember that. But just the way he introduced everyone and bringing in, mentioning Victor Vaughn, mentioning King Jidera, like this is the world that we're inhabiting, and a mad villain bistro bed and breakfast bar and grill cafe lounge on the water. It's that kind of thing. It's like we are in this play place that is like no other <laughs> and i love mm. the the kind of intro it's nearly like a kind of a like a fan service thing like that that marvel might do when they yeah. bring in a superhero that people are familiar with like you get it with the victor bond thing you get it later on with with the appearance of quasimodo on on one of the tracks later on i can't remember which one uh, america's most blooded in shadows of tomorrow america's most blooded, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's nearly like this sort of this, this you know, before we had the term Marvel Cinematic Universe, we obviously had expanded universes of, uh, of comic book characters and they'll, you know, they'll each go into each other's stories and they'll overlap. And, and there is a bit of that here as well. The mad villain cinematic that, universe. That kind of fan service thing, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Here's a bit of that song, Bistro, just to give you the vibe. Because I also think that the sample here is really like smart as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water, where we offer you the finest of the finer things, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, live on the beats, we have the one and only Mad Lib. We also have King Gidro on the mix. Yesterday's new quintet is here. Victor Vaughn, Quasimodo. And I'm your host, the super villain. You know, just lay back, have a good time, enjoy the music, you know what I'm saying? I like to dedicate this next joint to my bands, you know. Big Hookie and Baba from the launch man. How doom hold heat and preach non-violence? He about to start speech. Come on, silence. On one starry night, I saw the light. Heard a voice that sounded like very. Yeah, I mean, I love these these this album. The lyrics are what does it for me, but I think he does. Madley just has that like ability to create alchemy out of like samples he i was going through the sample list there's a sample if you're looking to uh, learn more about the samples around this record who sampled is obviously a great resource for this but my favorite one is maybe the one that's in meat grinder the frank zappa one i'll play that in a sec there's loads of these old like soul things old soul songs and like jazz there's Mm. some indian kind of bangra stuff as well it's just really like Really interesting sample sources. And of course, the way that he pulls this kind of stuff in, there's George Clinton, there's all jazz, there's Steve Reich. It's all in there, but it's all pulled out little bits. There are some more obvious ones. So here, I'll play a bit of a meat grinder here so we can hear this.
off the beat, kinda dripping off the meat grinder. Heat liner, pimping, stripping, soft, sweet minor. China was a neat sign of trouble with the script digits. Double dip, bubble lip, subtle list, midget. Borderline schizo, sort of fine I think you hear there the the way that Doom raps. It's like this starting this thread, and then you start pulling this thread, and you're following this thread, and then he he takes you in unexpected places. That is a Frank Zappa sample. Here is what it sounds like. Thanks, Frank Zappa. And this is Hulu Rock, which you'll recognize here as well. That's the Lou Howard All-Stars. So there's a couple of those kind of things which are very obvious. Uh, What about this one? That's a band called Fever Tree, 99 and one half, a 60s psychedelic band. Obviously, you may recognize that from the beat to America's Most Blooded. Let's have a listen. Most plants consider its importance second only to snakes, and grass will change in musical habits for the better. America's Most Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, that song, America's Most Blood, is kind of like the weed rap song of the album. And at that time, we're talking 
backpack rap, this kind of stuff was uh, if you did a weed rap song, you kind of became a weed rapper. That was kind of the vibe at the time. So this was this is something that maybe you shouldn't have done. But um, and bringing in things like the samples of a red, a red man in there as well, and it's just kind of drawing on all of that. Like, hey, we smoke weed, and uh, obviously Madlib was uh, is is a big weed smoker. He talks about that and how Doom was like kind of gives out to him a little bit. He's like, stop smoking so much weed. <laughs> but this is their weed song. Mushrooms, <laughs> yeah so yeah and it's funny isn't it like even the context of of doom talking about going out to la he's like oh i just wanted to get back to my kids he was living in I think he was living in georgia at the time so he would be flying to la and coming back and hanging out and you know he he liked he liked getting the money as well i think we that's mm-hmm. very clear from his various stories that he's told like that story last time out when he was in london uh, doing a show with lex records and tom from lex records talks about how he was all nice and icy during the day and then all of a sudden when the show came is like hype man or or would or his his entourage would like be like no that's it you've you've ruined it you you haven't delivered what he wanted and he would then disappear and get into a taxi and they were laughing about it because like they knew it was all a ruse or all this like charade because they could see that mm. doom was basically in his taxi going around regent's park doing laps just to like kind of play with them a little bit and that was kind of his whole thing in terms of obviously he sent out doom posters at live shows things like that where people were like we want to see the real doom and then he would send somebody out who wore a mask and then it became a whole thing on the internet where it was like you can never be quite sure if the person in front of you was actually doom or if he was lip syncing really well Mm. (laughs) so that's another part of that kind of whole story i mean that's more the live story of doom and that went up right up to the day that he died when he did live shows you were just never sure if he was going to show up or he was going to send somebody he even talked about I think you talked about the New Yorker profile from 2009 I read that last night and he's yeah, talking it's about yeah like sending it he was like I wanted to send out these white guys so people would <laughs> it would be really obvious just like mm. really play with the form and then just sit and stand in the crowd and listen to what people say about it but he was and a cheer his own music he said he wanted to do yeah, <laughs> just go and like cheer, yeah go into the crowd and cheer his own music yeah I mean I, and I think like doom as a as a builder of mythology is something that's very familiar to us and that's obviously happening on the records and it's happening in the live shows as well and it's happening in his interactions with you know industry types industry people he kind of wants to keep people on their toes and you know encourage them to expect the unexpected whether that's a white guy coming out and lip singing to his songs or an unexpected collaboration with another artist or something like that he's 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 a very strong builder of his own mythology and it's it's interesting because when i when when i think of people in in rap music who are mythology builders i think like primarily of kanye west and just how differently the two artists kind of approach doing that you know creating a mythos or creating a story or defying expectations and things doom very much does it with like keeps it for the most part within the realm of his recordings and his performance and doesn't doesn't really go in much you know wanting news stories written about him or you know wanting a a famous wife or you know wanting all the famous trappings of hip-hop he just doesn't none of that like even when he gets very braggadocious in his lyrics it's kind of rare that it's about money or it's 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 mostly him rapping about what a good rapper he is 
Um, and like and that's fair you know because he is but yeah yeah it's just it's just interesting to see uh like to feel a kind of kind of a difference between him and the things that he's interested in talking about when compared to other rap music at this time you know yeah yeah and he was i mean in terms of a of a rapper and a lyricist he was he is my probably my favorite i mean he's a lot of people's favorite because what Doom does and how he employs like different literary devices and, and how he plays with that expectation of alliteration and, and syllables and internal rhymes and hollow rhymes, which are like a form of rhyme where two similar sequences of sound form phrases composed of different words, different meanings. So, you know, he's just he always played with the form and it kind of feels like it's this thing that's constantly morphing and changing in his mouth and, and you're like, what's happening? Where's this go? Where's this going? Pop monitors at the time about the album said, you can spend hours poring over the lyric sheet and attempting to grok Doom's infinitely dense verbiage. If the language is arbitrary, then many of Doom's verses exploit the essence of words stripped of meaning. Random conglomerations of syllables assembled in an order that only makes sense from a rhythmical, rhythmical standpoint. Now that's some of the stuff for sure, but there's some great, there's just absolutely some great lyrics on this. Some of my personal favorite I mean, these are like almost like the way that people, Doom fans talk to each other is just on message boards, is just like quoting their favourite lyrics. You know, on accordion, got more lyrics than the church got, oh lords, and he hold the mic and your attention like two swords. But he kind of says like swords to rhyme swords. <laughs> swords. Um, what else we got? On meat grinder, at the gates of heaven, knocking no answer, slow dancer, hopeless romancer, dopest flow stanzas, yes, no, villain, metal voted, metal face to destro, guess so, still incredible in escrow, just say how. I'll test the yayo while while West Fest y'all best to lay low you know ah it's so good tripping off the beat kind of dripping off the meat grinder heat niner pimping strimping soft sweet minor china was a neat signer trouble with the script digits double dipped bubble lips subtle lisp midget borderline schizo sort of fine tits though <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's and he—he he has that. Yeah, he has a like it's comedy. So funny. Yeah, he like, has it is that. Funny. I like Hawk uh, Two and songs lit in the booth with the best host doing bong hits on the roof in the West Coast. It's like it, you can you can listen to him and be like, oh, he's found all these words that rhyme with one another. Well done. But then like they they make sense like and they're clever and like it's not it's not just rhyming for rhyming sake like. He is making sense in these lyrics, even if it doesn't feel like he is on your first couple of listens, you know. Yeah, for sure. And he was, we talked about this last week as well in The Big Romance and how he was kind of, comedy is a big part of what he does. And even actually in that New York profile, he talks about himself as, uh, I'm like a stand-up comedian, you know, like I'm mm. I'm trying to make people laugh sometimes, but also like it's really important to me how like these words you know, f- fit together and and what actually happens and how they how they operate and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, just I mean, I think the other thing about the album and we talked about this last week as well was that it's actually got a really strong ending. So it's got like a few different mm. tracks at the end, all caps, great day, and rhinestone cowboy. Three of my favorite tracks, and certainly in terms of his lyrics, like let's play a bit from Great Day. I'll just find that bit in it where he's talking. Uh, I'll, I'll read it out then afterwards. Mad plays the bass like the race card. Villain on the case to break shards and leave a face scarred. Groovy dude, not to prove to be rude, but this stuff is like what you might put on movie food. 
Oh, what is jalapenos? Get it like a whooping when you holler at your seniors. Dollar, he can overhear the hashish fiender. He just came from over there, the grass is greener. Last wish, I wish I had two more wishes. And I wish they fixed the door to the matrix's mad glitches. Spit so many verses, sometimes my jaw twitches. One thing this party could use is more. <clears throat> in your own shoes and stay away from all the pairs of busted Tims he don't use. He only keep them to decorate. If you want to peep him, select a date and bring a deep check like checkmate. I kid you not, on the dotted line sign. Ever since a minor, kids consider him some kind of Einstein. Uh, the line I love uh, from that song is last wish I wish I had two more wishes and I wish they fix the door to the matrix there's mad glitches spit so many verses sometimes my jaw twitches one thing this party could use is more mm, booze put yourself in your own shoes and stay away from all those pair of busted Tims you don't use so yeah playing with the expectation you think he's going to say bitches there he doesn't he's playing with expectation of the form of rap of what would be out at that time or what people would be saying so just I love that he's done that a lot of times on this album as well and then he's like you know he has we talked a bit about how some of the words that he uses you're like oh that's very English I mean he he's he actually grew up in England and then uh, moved to America and then he had problems with his visa and all this kind of stuff so there are some of those kind of lyrics in it in Rhinestone Cowboy which he talks about Limey and uh, let me see if I can find that bit Stole the show for fun or a foe for ransom. Flows is handsome, holes in tandem, anthem, random, tantrum, phantom of the grand old Opry. Ask the dumb hottie, mask, pump shoddy, somebody stop me. Hardly come sloppy on a retarded hard copy. After rocking parties, he departed in a jalopy. Watch the drop top poppy, known as the grimy, limey, slimy, try me, blimey. Simply smashing in a fashion that's timely. Mad villain dashing in a beat rhyme crime spree. We rock the house like rock and roll Got more soul than a sock with a hole Set the stage with a goal To have the game locked in a cage Getting shocked with a pole Overthrow it like Ah, so good. I mean, I just think that line is so great. Like, known as the grimy, limey, slimy, trimy, blimey, simply smashing in a fashion that's timely, mad villain dashing in a beat rhyme, crime spree. We rock the house like rock and roll, got more soul than a sock with a hole. And there's loads of those kind of very simple rhymes throughout this album that are, like stick in your brain and will always be there for me. Like, um, Mad plays the bass like a... Like a- Mad plays the bass like a race card. Is, I think, really <laughs> As he gets older, he gets colder well. than a witch it's- tit. <laughs> Uh, 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 even though thing uh, very simple they say the villain be spitting enough lightning to rock shock the boogie down to Brighton alright then like those kind of real simple things no one else really does or like as he utter the calm flow don't talk about my mom's yo it's like I find myself just sometimes randomly saying these things myself after listening to it. I was like, where'd I come from? Oh, that's because I was listening to Doom yesterday. Mm. Uh, hey, you got a light? Nah, bud light. Stuff like that, you know, it's like just really simple, very effective, almost meme uh, heavy tracks uh, in terms of like instantly quotable. Hard to pick out a favourite track on the record. Probably Meat Grinder would be up there for me. All Caps is probably the biggest for some reason the biggest track on this I think why is All Caps the biggest track in terms of it just has historically always been the one that like the hip hop heads love so let's have a listen to All Caps (laughs) 
So nasty that it's probably somewhat of a travesty having me. Then he told the people you can call me your majesty. Keep your battery charged. He know it won't stick, yo. And it's not his fault you kick slow. Should've let your trick hold, chick hold your sick glow. Plus nobody couldn't do nothing once he let the brick go. And you know I know that's a bunch of snow. The beat is so butter. Peep the slow cutter as he utter the calm flow. Don't talk about my mom, yo. Sometimes he rhyme quick, sometimes he rhyme slow or vice versa. Whip up a slice of nice verse. Pie, hit it on the first try, villain. The worst guy, spot hot tracks like spot a pair of fat asses. Shots of the scotch from out the square, shot glasses. And he won't stop till he got the masses. That is all caps, of course. And basically, yeah, I mean, when this album, we talked about the leak as well. I actually found a version of the leak on a Reddit forum there last week, which I have never listened to. And I must because the original vocals apparently are much more energetic. If you listen to some of the other records from Doom, like uh, Victor Vaughn, Vaudeville Villain, you could hear much more kind of energy in his words and, and his delivery. And I think he deliberately slowed it down for, I'm not really sure why, we don't really know why, but I mean, they, these guys didn't really, even now, if you look at, if you listen to that 30 or read that 33 and a third book and the whole book is pitched like this kind of funny superhero journalist trying to find out the truth about this album because basically madly have never wanted to talk about this record mm. too much because like he said at the start we made we made some music this is what it was it was great uh, he said he still listens to the album all the time um, which is great to hear and just that kind of idea that you know like there isn't much to say about this because the mystique is is all on the record. It's all there. The samples are all there. Mm. The Bollywood stuff, the weird 1940s little f- films that are quoted on it, the superhero stuff, the the whatever it is, the Red Man sample, the the uh, weird soul and jazz stuff that's in there. There's a James Brown sample in there as well. Like, And then just those kind of references and stuff. Like, It's so dense. It's so interesting. It keeps me coming back. I'm always, I even love like that Rainbow song. I love the, the track where Doom is just kind of toasting almost over the track. Like he's not a singer. He shouldn't be singing, but it's quite hook filled. I'll play it now for a second just to give you a bit of that as well. So yeah, just like riffing on a on a cool instrumental. And there's about five tracks on this album out of 22, which are just pure instrumentals as well, which are just mad lit beats. So yeah. Do you have the, the instrumental LP? Oh no, no, I don't. No. You can buy it. I got it for Harry for his birthday a few years ago. Oh, just listen to the, I never listened to just the instrumentals. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. cool. You want to like. Pretend you're doomed and wrap along. Nice. Yeah, I must listen to that as well. There's so many things. I mean, you just like, you just end up going back to the first source. Another thing I do love though, and this actually got me into maybe Madville. And funny enough, we've, we did an album listening event with about four test album rounds. And around that time, he did, 2005, he did a remix of Money Folder 
that I think I downloaded off the internet in MP3 and I just loved it so much. And this is a bit of that song. So yeah, that was kind of uh, for me as well as like my pal who I lived with at the time playing uh, the record before I had heard it. This was my in to Mad Villain and probably Doom in a wider sense as well. He had a lot of the vaudeville villain stuff and was really interested. Uh, that Fortet remixes, there are actually four or five, five remixes, I think, uh, of from the album from Fortet as well, also available on vinyl as well. And then, you know, there was always talk about a Mad Villain 2 a mad villainy too and it never really came out but i mean there is like this weird madly remix which is billed as mad villainy too which is not really what it says Mm. it is at all well that new yorker profile the interviews for that happened while they were recording for mad villainy too but was never to be so it was happening they were hanging out and doom was rapping and like they were they were working on it it just never yeah they kept saying like it was it was 85% done and this was something they just would say Mm. an awful lot it's like no it's coming it's coming it's 85% done I kind of believe them but like it's it's you know like the album had like this had become probably far more you know popular and influential and meant a lot more to people than either of them probably expected so you could understand that like the expectations were so high for it that you'd nearly just freeze and not want to put yeah. it out at all. Yeah. And that's true. And they like Mad Lib actually talks about that in the Orbe May uh, lecture that he was giving is saying like expectations were just so high that I don't think we could ever live up to what people wanted. But what but what mm. we had give we were doing was basically a continuation of that. So we were doing the same thing. We weren't doing anything different we were doing the same thing we had made some the same kind of songs which is i think now maybe it will mm. come out eventually maybe eventually those kind of records if they are 85 percent done we'll get there and we'll hear them that would be great eventually but i wouldn't hold my breath but like doom died two years ago so it's kind of you know it's it's i wouldn't expect anything to be happening yet every now and again a track has appeared which he features on which he recorded pre he died almost four, four years ago it was the end of, it's 2024 now he died in 2020. 2020 I keep thinking 2021 did 2022 yeah yeah okay yeah. Um, I had to check it there because I was like I, I think it's longer than two years maybe it's three well, years four. okay well, it'll yeah, be yeah. four years this year well a long time yeah. yeah most recently featured on a track on the Danger Mouse and Black Tot record Cheat Codes which is really good Belize and I think that was obviously recorded before he passed and it's just that like his his whole death was again in keeping with the mystique and enigma of who he was he died in Halloween 2020 then and then it was announced on New Year's Eve that he had passed so you know, you just not the kind of people usually find out about these things pretty quickly. 
but Doom kept to himself and that's what he always did. And meanwhile, Madlib has gone on to create so many different albums and and so many he's like got 85 like releases or he's going to go like 40 albums on listed on his discogs or whatever and he's always releasing stuff he's done stuff with freddie gibbs declame declame um which is uh one of his old pals dudley perkins a couple of albums from that old project from the late 90s that came out as well called in the beginning recently which i really dug also he had that I mentioned Forte. Forte produced a version of basically Madlib is the kind of person who makes a beat and then goes and makes another beat. And and sometimes these albums come out that are and are a product of like a, a compilation of those. But Sound Ancestors, the twenty twenty one album, was uh, edited and kind of like executive directed by Kieran Hebden, aka Forte, who basically took some tracks that he had made and kind of put them together into this cohesive whole. So 16 tracks on that. Sound Ancestors, that's his uh, his best, most recent work, in my opinion, as well as uh, some of the stuff he f- that featured on Pinata, Freddie Gibbs, the album that he did, all Madlib beats on that as well. Very, very prolific artist still making music out there. Uh, some of the some other classics like J-Lib, Champion Sound, the stuff with Jay Dilla that he did as well. So... I was talking to one of the lads who was at the listening party last week who was uh, talking up his The Blue Note Records, Shades of Blue from 2003, Mad Lib Invades Blue Note, which I never mm. really listened to either. So there's just so much there. I've yeah, heard yeah. that. So it's great. Another one to throw on the pile of, of your listening as well if you're interested in what we're talking about here. And I presume you are because we're, we're just done now. I think we're just done with this record. But it was nice to kind of, we, we did a we did a live event. We didn't get to do it in January. We didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. But we will, our next album uh, will be, Andrea, do you want to tell the people? Our next album will be Laurie Anderson's Big Science. And there will be an episode about it beforehand because it's an album that maybe people aren't as familiar with or not as many people are familiar with. Um, so we'd like to encourage you to come. I don't know when the tickets are going on sale or anything. Do you know? Well, in the next week uh, or so, I'd say, once we get the artwork sorted. Keep and an all. eye out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a terrific record and I love it very much. And I think it will sound amazing in the room. Yeah. 28th of February in the big yeah, romance is when we're going to do that. So that's will be the Laurie Anderson album in full but that's it for Mad Villain and MF Doom and Mad Lib's album celebrating 20 years this month or or next month uh, this year a fantastic album which is still being discovered and it was nice to see a load of young people (laughs) people in their 20s coming down Mm. and uh, enjoying the record as well a father and son we said as well maybe you know fun fun stuff crosses generations and that's what we'll be aiming to do yeah so we are back next week with more podcasting I think those bank holidays really throw you out sometimes when you're like oh yeah we haven't discussed what we're doing it's almost a it's a Tuesday already (laughs) but yeah that's the vibe we're getting back into the swing of things on the 909 podcast I've got Lumo this Saturday if you're around and if you are a Patreon if you're a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com forward slash 909, you get free tickets to Lumo this Saturday, as well as access to loads of different recordings and playlists and our Discord access, which I think there's a, a meetup bubble bubbling under on the Discord for Saturday as well. So loads more Lumo parties coming up this summer as well. We're going to be moving around a bit in terms of venues and doing some day parties and stuff. So Andrea, you'll finally have to make it to a, a Lumo party 
nine years, nine years in. <laughs> Once you do one that starts at 6 p.m., Niall, I'm not going to do there. one that starts at 2 p.m. How's that suit you? That's a, oh, <laughs> ideal. Even better. Yes. No, I, I will. I will get down Super. to that at some stage. Okay. Right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you. Thanks next to week. Georgia Pallion for editing the podcast. Georgia. Appreciate it. Big time. Thanks so much. That's it from us this week. This has been the 909 podcast. Talk Bye. to you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.